All right. So I have my brother, Mark, which happens to be my brother's name. So anyone that is named Mark, I always instantly like, and I'm just like, you know, that's my brother's name. So my brother that passed away uh, 30 years ago now. Um, so Mark Mowbray of Ohio in transition to Florida, you were saying Texas was one of, so I was saying before we started recording, uh, the three states it's going to be is Florida, Arizona, or Texas. One of those three states high on the list for where I'm moving to each one for different reasons. Um, I would say Arizona is high, high on the list because my son is considering moving there. So I might have to bring the whole family out that way, out West. We loved Arizona for the hiking. You've been out there? I have never stepped foot in Arizona. Uh, oh. My son has. Uh, my it's, son has. He, he loves it. He tells us, you know, he tells us all the time, you know, dad, we need to, we need to get out to Arizona. But uh, it was on the list at one point, but didn't make the cut. All right. And then, and then you said Texas was a possibility as the next, yeah. next police department. Yeah. I mean, you know, Texas has always been one of those places that uh, we've considered um, for numerous reasons, but uh, yeah, ultimately didn't make the cut either. Um, Texas is a huge place, huge uh -huh. place, a lot of opportunities, um, you know, and it's, it's been described to me as almost like a bunch of different places in one. You know, it just depends where you're at. Yeah, we visited San Antonio this last summer, uh, just after the heat wave, and it was ridiculously hot. Even though it was after the heat wave, it was incredibly hot. I think the hottest place I've ever been was Vegas, where I was out at nighttime in the summertime. It was like 10 o'clock at night, so it was dark out. And you could feel the heat coming off of the concrete like you were in an oven. And oh, I've yeah. never experienced heat like that in my life. <laughs> the bottoms of your uh, shoes are melting. Yeah, it was almost yeah. that bad. Almost yeah, you, were in the, you were in the military? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was in the military. What branch? So I did uh, my first contract in the Marine Corps. Um, and then that's when I, I, I re-enlisted into the, I, I switched over to the Army after that. Okay. Uh, I did another, another three years with them. All right. Thank you for your sacrifice. Many, many sacrifices. Hey, brother, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, one of one of my one of my brothers, Atlas, who did a TED talk, he said he would prefer people to say thank you for your sacrifice. And because thank you for your service has almost become like a platitude where it's just one of those things that people just say and it's starting to lose its meaning. But I uh, I genuinely mean it because when the recruiter asked me if I wanted to go into the service. I said, well, I want to be able to leave when I want to leave. And they're like, oh, no, you can't. You can't leave. <laughs> and That's I like, a that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the service for me. So I respect anyone that has served and I appreciate it. And I genuinely do mean it when I say thank you for service, but also thank you for your sacrifice time away from your family. Um. Then how many years on the job? PD? So I've been I've been with the state now for uh, coming up on ten years. Ten years. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to. Uh, I, I kind of want to pause you there for a minute. Um, you said you wanted to. You know, one of the requirements was you wanted to feel like you could leave whenever you wanted to. Uh, I got to tell you this story. Um, 
So it's it's probably like it's at least the first week of boot camp, uh, Paris Island, July. It's 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 extremely hot. You know what I mean? Like heat melting the uh, the soles off your boots. Kind of kind of hot. Uh-huh. We're out on the parade deck. We're marching. or you know we're drilling. We're doing doing our thing as far as that goes. And uh, we go to the Porta Johns. So two of us go into the Porta Johns at a time. And uh, I, I won't say the name, uh, but the guy that I'm in there with, he looks at me with the most panic look on his face. And he says, are we allowed to leave? Just like that. <laughs> I mean, and let me tell you something. This, this is a big, I mean, this is a brute. You know what I mean? He was a, uh, he was a bouncer in New York. I mean, he's put together like, uh, but he's a pretty boy. He's a model, you know? And uh-huh. uh, yeah, he just couldn't take the heat. He looked at me and I'll never forget the look on his face. And he said, are we allowed to leave? Nope. I said, Brother, I don't think that's how that works. Nope. Nope. You sign a contract and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but not everybody realizes that. And I'm not sure that recruiters tell people that, you know, um, didn't dawn on me, you know, of course it seemed like common sense to me, but you know, I, a lot of people think that that's, that's the way that works. No, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not common knowledge. It's not common sense. And a lot of people don't realize, like, once you sign that contract, if you break that contract, they will put you in jail. <laughs> you know, I, I can sit here and tell you stories all day long about, um, you know, I can tell you about another guy that literally tried to swim off of the island. Um, <laughs> they tell you Paris Island, the quickest way out of there is to graduate. And uh, that is a fact. 100% that is a fact. Or die. Or die. <laughs> Or die. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not that one, but hopefully not. Right. So, uh, 10 years in the, uh, in the state, in the state of Ohio, that's incredible, man. What's, uh, what's next? What What's next? What's next? Yeah. Um, I have, I have big plans. I'll put it to you that way. Um, I won't get into the specific details right now because not everything is uh, is concrete. Um, clarity is is there. I've got big plans. We'll just say that. Um, but as you mentioned, a, a transition is is underway. Um, we're in the process of a big move right now, so I'm looking forward to that. Congratulations on that. Definitely can't can't see myself walking away from law enforcement. Um, I just can't see myself doing that. You know, I'm passionate about law enforcement. I really enjoy. Uh, being a first responder, the opportunities that people we get to meet and engage with. And it really is unlike anything I've ever done in my life. So I, I can't see myself walking away from that at any point. Greatest show on earth, right? Greatest show on earth. Yeah. Not everybody knows about it though. Not everyone knows. So I tell a lot of people back to the military thing that I, I, I would always try to recruit people to the PD and I would say, you know, it's a really great job. And once you get in the Academy, uh, if you, feel like you can't hack it, you can always resign. But usually once you're that deep in, most people kind of start to see themselves in the role and they they make it through the academy. And then once you get on field training, it's a whole nother world. It's a completely different world then because now you're, you're, you're actually doing the job. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, I tell people the same thing, honestly. And, you know, I, I actually was, uh, a district recruiter for my agency for, for, for a while. And, um, you know, one of the things that I would say, I would say a lot of times 
not really that people lie necessarily, but they're not always truthful or completely forthcoming with, you know, specific uh, details. And when it comes to law enforcement, you know, being a first responder of any of any type, I mean, that that is the most important thing. Um, and having recruitment experience in the military and then, you know, doing recruitment um, with my agency, that was one of the big things to me was I will not um, sugarcoat anything. You know, it's important for, you know, young people that are just coming into the profession to understand uh, what exactly they're coming into. Um, so if they can enter the academy with that clarity and understanding of what, you know, what to expect, you know, it goes a long way. And I think in my experience that if people make it through the academy, generally speaking, they're going to be okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a decision at that point. So at what point did you, uh, did you go to college at all when you got out of the military or did you go straight to law enforcement? So I didn't start pursuing college until my second enlistment. Um, and I did a couple of years, uh, utilizing some tuition reimbursement, things like that. Um, I don't have a degree. I don't have a college degree of any type. Um, I could go back and pick one up fairly, fairly quickly. I mean, I've got enough credits to, to get to that point fairly quickly, but, um, it just hasn't been in my cards up to this point, but I'm not going to dismiss it. You know, I'll certainly uh, pursue that. My agency did not have a college requirement, nor, nor did they have any credit requirement. Um, did your agency have like a certain number of credits that you had to have, or is it just a high school diploma or GED? Yeah, uh, no, there's, there's no college requirement whatsoever. Uh, high school diploma or GED will, uh, you know, will meet that basic, a basic requirement in terms of education. Yeah. Same, now, same for mine. Yeah. Now I know a lot of academies, uh, as you're going through them, you'll gain, you know, you'll gain educational uh, credits to be applied, you know, to a certain degree, depending on where you go. I know there's some colleges that will accept that credit. Um, my agency is one of those, you know, we gain quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit, a bit of college credit, if you wish to do that. Um, I, again, I, I haven't pursued that. Um, I haven't applied those credits anywhere, but it's, it's in the cards. Um, I don't want to say you wait till the time is right. Cause the time is never going to be right if you wait on it, but you know, eventually I will sit down and continue pursuing that. Now, uh, before we start recording, you said you had a buddy that uh, you, you started to tell a story about the buddy that was telling you about Texas. Yeah. 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 So he, he knew he was going to be getting out. Um, he, he, he was really, he was smarter. He was smart about it because he kind of strategically placed himself in Texas uh, knowing he was going to get out. Uh, not that that's wrong or anything, but he just was smart about it. You know, a lot of people, when they get out, they're like, I just want to get home, you know, back to where it's familiar, where I know. Um, and that's what I did. You know? Okay. That's you what were, I did. You were originally from Ohio? Originally from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I never been, I never been to Ohio. Um, it's not that long of a drive from New York. I think it's like 12, 12, 13 hours. Yeah, depending on where you're at. Yeah, I probably I probably fly though. I I don't like being in the car that long. <laughs> now now when you get down to Florida, are you are you uh driving or are you flying the family? No, we're we're gonna drive. Yeah, we're Ooh. gonna drive. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a move, uh it's gonna be a convoy almost. Uh, how many hours how many hours of a drive is that? 
It's about 13 and a half, 14 hours, but okay. we've got, you know, we've got some little ones too. So there'll be some stops along the way, you know, of course, we'll drag it out a little bit, but that's yeah, all. Been so so it's, it's in the books. Are you planning on like uh, maybe staying at a hotel one night or are you just going to try and do it all one day? No. Yeah. Our, our plan is to just do it all in one day and uh, get it, get it out of the way. Foot, Ooh, put, on the gas, put on the gas. That's how we do it. That's going to be a long long day i drove from uh new york to uh top sail island north carolina that area like wilmington and wow. that was a uh 14 hour the longest part was getting through dc and virginia because virginia you're just driving through virginia forever yeah um, which i don't even know which roads like what what states are you going to be going through uh so you got yeah west virginia virginia uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. So you have to go. You have to go east and then south. There's no. There's no diagonal cutting across, right? Yeah, generally, yeah, you're gonna go east and then south. So then, yeah, South Carolina, Georgia, and then and then that's uh, that's Florida. Yeah. So the Virginias, you're probably gonna feel like you're just driving there forever. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Yeah. yeah. Have you taken family trips before? Yeah, we 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 go down there. I mean, almost every year, you know. So we're we're pretty familiar with uh, with the drive itself, the uh, okay. the location. You know, we're pretty familiar with. So this has been this has been in the making for quite some time. Okay, all right, that's cool. I'm really happy for you. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. So now, in your time in uniform and in patrol, what's the craziest thing that you can remember ever like? getting called to or like coming across it's uh you know it's it seems bizarre it seems wild to to say this but there's just so many bizarre incidents that we find ourselves in um you know one story that i love to tell though whenever people ask me about you know pursuits are so common you know we get in vehicle pursuits all the time and a lot of times they turn into foot pursuits yep uh, so common as you know but, uh, you know, one of my favorite pursuit stories is I had just signed on. So I'm working night shift. I had just signed on and I'm probably about 30 minutes out of my driveway. So the office is about an hour away. So I'm about 30 minutes out of my driveway. And I, I hear on the radio that uh, the neighboring county that I work in is in pursuit with the with a vehicle. That vehicle is coming toward the county that I work in. So <laughs> clearly, you know, I'm going to be aware of that and I'm going to start kind of moving that way. So, which is what I did. Um, but I'm still a good 45 minutes out or so from even where they're at at this time. And it's the middle of a winter storm. I mean, it's, I think it's like mid November. I mean, so it's icy and it's snowy and you know, everything else. So in my mind, I was thinking, I'm not, you know, surely this is going to come to some kind of end, some, some conclusion before I even get remotely close. Uh, but, you know, we always continue that way because you never know what's going to happen. So being 45 minutes out when this call is dispatched, believe it or not, I was the first person to make contact with this vehicle. Um, as wild as that sounds, I just monitoring the radio traffic the whole time. I know where it's going. I know, you know, OK, I need to go this way. I need to go this way. Um, there was probably seven or eight cruisers behind this vehicle. Um the, the, the suspect vehicle had rammed or, you know, several cruisers. I mean, he was out trying to hurt us, you know, 
definitely trying to get away, but also trying to hurt us. We had spike stripped the car several times. Um, I had known this, but the car had continued driving. So I thought maybe, you know, maybe he's got like no spike tires or something like that. Um, long story short, I get to the point to where I'm coming up over this hill and all I see is this, this large blue, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's nothing but police lights. Uh -huh. so, so I'm thinking like, where's the suspect vehicle? Cause they're coming up over this hill. All I see is blue lights. Once we get to the peak of the hill, I see the suspect vehicle coming directly at me. I mean, we're coming head on. Um, so I, I start to slow down and I notice he's kind of like driving sideways, which is strange. Like he's coming straight forward, but he's doing it at an angle. Yep. Uh, it was kind of weird, honestly. But I, so I, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is strange. So, you know, I backed up, kind of, kind of tried to get in a little better position and, uh, he continues coming at me. Well, then he comes to a stop. So I, you know, I'm in a position at that point where I have cover concealment. I felt comfortable enough um, at that point, exit my patrol car, start giving him commands, things like that. Well, remember there's seven or eight patrol cars behind this thing. So I'm on one side, giving commands, things like that. They're all on the other side. Um, so at this point we're looking at, you know, potential crossfire and things of that nature. So the decision was made to just go ahead and approach the vehicle. Um, but what was funny about it, the reason he was coming at an angle was because the rear tire, it was the driver's side rear tire, was completely gone. The axle was broke off and everything. Uh -huh. uh, he, had no, he had no traction whatsoever. Um, and all you hear is the engine revving, and he's in the car screaming, and it was just, it was almost like something you would see on a movie, you know? Um, being 45 minutes out when I got dispatched to uh, being the first person to make contact was pretty wild. Honestly, it was, uh, like I said, that's probably my favorite, uh, pursuit video to talk about. Um, now, how about, um, favorite arrest? Do you have a favorite arrest of a bad guy that you made or favorite arrest? Um, you know, from a, from a criminal standpoint, you know, I, I really do enjoy getting bad guys off the street, you know? Um, so anytime that's, that's the case, I mean, that's, that, that's up there on the top of my list. Um, OVI, uh, you know, is a very serious thing. Um, what is, uh, what does that OV, OVI stand for? OVI, it's the operating vehicle under the influence. Ah, okay. I, I don't know. You guys call it something different there? Or? Um, just DUI or DWI. Yeah. Driving. While yeah. Same, yeah, thing. same thing. You might hear it referred to like as OMVI, operating motor vehicle impaired, something like that. But we, we generally call it OVI. It's very serious. It's dangerous, obviously. You know, it's nothing to take lightly. So we, we target that quite a bit, um, OVI enforcement, things of that nature. But let me, t let me tell you something. In a situation where nobody's hurt, everybody's okay, um, and you can really kind of soak in you when you have somebody that's two three times the legal limit, I mean it can be it can make for for kind of a uh, some hilarious can, some can, hilarious can, situations. There's definitely some hilarious situations that come out of that. I mean, I've had you know I've had people obviously urinate on themselves, they're vomiting everywhere. You know, they're just stumbling, falling down. I mean, things of that nature. It's I worked uh, I worked midnights also. 
for yeah. six years, the overnights. And uh, one of the funniest ones that I remember was a guy that barely spoke English. It was a large Polish population and the guy barely spoke English, but he, uh, everyone can picture a ramp where it's like a clover leaf and you start to drive around it. Yeah. We were driving around, we were in, on patrol driving around the clover leaf and we come across a car that's perpendicular to the clover leaf. So he's across the street. We we put our lights on, we exit the vehicle, we approach and he has his seat tilted back and he decided that that was a good place to take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy that guy was bombed. He was he was bombed and and to this day I think about where he was parked and I thank God that it was us that that yeah. found him first before someone else found him or you know smashed into him. But he yep. he thought it was a good idea to uh, like park there. He thought that that was a parking lot. He was perpendicular across the street and uh, had his seat back. And he's like, "Hey, what what's the problem? I'm just taking a little nap." <laughs> yeah, problem. Like I, I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> the problem yeah. is you parked in the worst. And then I had another one where. Um, it was a young lady that worked at a, uh, I guess you would call it a gentleman's club. And um, when I approached the vehicle, she, I, I basically had to tell her that she needed to uh, throw a sweater on because, <laughs> oh yeah, because uh, I was like, hey, this is, uh, this is not professional. This is not cool. And you're not getting a break. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think if you do this job long enough, you'll find yourself in a situation like that for sure. Uh, yeah. I know I've been several times. Uh, are you are you still there? So, I, uh, I it said my internet connection was bad, but I don't know. Because I have full full signal, but anyway, it's still recording. Okay, yeah, I, I I didn't lose like it still said recording, but obviously I didn't see uh see the picture on there, so I didn't know. I'll have my uh, I have my guy cut that little part out. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, I had uh, so I start so I, when I worked in the prison, um, there was an inmate, there was a guy in there. He, he wasn't a, a bad inmate or anything like that. He didn't really cause any trouble, but I mean, he was always in some kind of silly, like nonsense, you know, always yep. associated with something silly off the wall. Um, but I had, I had just gotten promoted and I had the opportunity to see him out of the prison on his last day. Um, and that was a little while before, before I had left to go on patrol. Um, I, I don't know, maybe we'll say maybe a year or so after I'm out on the road and things like that, I get called to a disabled vehicle on the interstate. I get there and the, so the vehicle's going southbound. Um, traffic's heavy and it's off in the median. It's another one of those situations where it's ice and snow. And, um, you know, I saw him, he's standing in the median. So I, I just, I went ahead and pulled off on the northbound side and I walked down in the median and I approached, I approached the guy and, I look at him and instantly I knew I'm like, yep, that's him. I knew who I knew exactly who it was. 
uh, you know, reeks of marijuana. He's he's got warrants. Um, no driver's license, obviously, but the 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 most strange part was how he got to where he was. It made zero sense. I, I don't understand how he got turned around the way he did. <laughs> that his tire, he said his tire blew out. Um, on the car. And so he was trying to change the tire, but he obviously couldn't get a jack under it or anything like that. Cause he's, he's in the mud, he's bogged down. He doesn't have, I mean, it really, there's nothing you can do except hook a tow truck to it, pull it out. Um, but anyway, I'm looking at him and I said, Hey, I knew, I knew all the answers already, but I said, Hey, do you have a driver's license on you? He says, no. And I said, okay, you have an ID on you. He's like, no, I don't have an ID. So I went ahead and, you know, identified him uh, by other means. Um, that's when I found out he had warrants and things like that. Of course, I knew who he was, um, but that was. And then I'll, obviously, he remembered who I was. You know, did he go? They, they, did he go easy because he knew who you were? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. Did you? You mean did he go easy? Did he go easy, or did he? Did he kind of give you a hard time about it? So, so that's the thing. Um, I've never had anybody necessarily give me a hard time in terms of inmates or you know any anybody like that that I had dealt with just because there was that mutual understanding I had respect in there just because I believe that you, tr you treat people like people you know regardless of you know convictions and things like that um, so I never really had any issues with anybody he, he didn't give me no trouble I mean he knew what it was. he was always the, the the kind of guy that would tell you that this is a cat and mouse game you know I'm a criminal you're a cop my job's to run from you when I'm caught I'm caught you know, it's kind of one of those things. So he was, he didn't give me any trouble, but he definitely tried to like talk me out of it. You know, he, he thought that he had that, uh, that kind of relationship where he tried to talk me out of it, but found out that wasn't the case. I uh, remember I, the first time we spoke, you were saying when you worked inside the prison, everyone there, you know, that they committed some sort of a crime when you're out in the street you have no idea who you're walking up to. Right. That's a fact. Yeah. Yep. That's absolutely a fact. Um, regardless of, you know, what it, what it was, you know, what, whatever crime they committed, I mean, somewhere along the line, they were, they were convicted of that crime and, and a judge sentenced them to go to prison. You know, you know that much um, and kind of gives you, I don't want to say it gives you a better um, understanding, but at that point, you know that these guys, you know, these men and women that are incarcerated are on some level, you know, criminals on some level. So, so I, I only got about five more minutes before um, we got to hop on another call. Um, I wanted you to give advice for the rookie, advice for the person that is halfway you know, halfway there, a 10 to 15 year mark. And then okay. advice for the people that may be thinking about their next career. So okay. advice, advice for the rookie, what's your best advice for the brand <laughs> new? We, we kind of touched on it before. So, you know, that, that's why I like coaching and mentoring and things like that. Cause I can, I can kind of help these people uh, learn and, you know, learn from my mistakes, so to speak. Uh, if I had to give somebody advice, it'd be, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't let your ego get too big too fast. So this don't is the, this is the man or woman with one year on the job. Right. Yeah. You're, you're starting to feel a little comfortable now because you've got a year on, you're starting to feel like, you know, you're, you're filling out your boots. Uh, 
which you are, you know, you should be confident, but don't let your ego get too big. Um, you know, you have to always remember that you're still a human being. You're still a person. And regardless of what, what this person done or, you know, the crime that they committed, you still need to treat them with, with respect. Um, up until the point to where that's no longer acceptable. All right. You have to obviously put officer safety ahead of, ahead of that. Um, but don't let your ego get too big, too fast. Remember that, you know, not everybody's a bad person. Not everybody is trying to hurt you. All right. I love, a lot of I love that advice because a lot of times when people come out of the Academy, they're kind of like on edge and they don't, you know, they're like yeah. hyper, hyper vigilant, hyper vigilant. Exactly. Which, you know, it's, Remain vigilant at all times. Yes. Uh, don't go overboard about it. Not everybody's trying to hurt you. Sometimes it's just, you know, somebody made a mistake. You know, somebody, we're all human beings. We make mistakes. And sometimes you just have to sit back and remind yourself of that. Um, if I had to give, you know, a, a brand new person any advice, that'd be it. Because I see a lot of that, you know, the ego just blowing up. Um, you know, the badge gets gets heavy. The, you know, they, they feel like, you know, they're invincible almost. So just tone that down a little bit. You'll get there. Just tone that down a little bit. All right. Now the uh, person that's midway, midway in the career, how do they keep from burning out and keep the, uh, keep the flame going for, for me, I think the advice is know that your job is not your identity and there will be something after because you'll be relatively young when you can retire. So there will be a, there will be a, a world and a life after law enforcement. So just know that that's on the horizon. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with that hundred percent. I, that's honestly, that's that I would kind of lump that into the new guy as well. Um, this is not your identity. You know, that's the big piece. That's the takeaway as far as I'm concerned. Um, the uniform. It's a, career. Does it's a great career. It's yes. a wonderful, it's a wonderful career. I love the men and women in uniform. I, I used to say blue, but not across the country. They're not all blue. Sometimes they're brown, sometimes right. they're gray, but they're all different men and women in uniform. And um, and I love them all, but some have to tone down the this is who I am mentality. Like you said, some have to just tone that down a little bit because there is a life after law enforcement. And when once you're retired, people don't respect you the same <laughs> as when you're in uniform. Well, the bottom line is this, um, you know, people don't necessarily care about what you did yesterday. People don't necessarily, you know, they don't want to hear, hear about all that. Okay. What they care about is what's happening right now. Yep. Um, and right now you might not be wearing a uniform, so you need to be able to stand on your own two feet. All right. You need to be able to operate without, you know, without that uniform on, without the gun, without the badge. All right. You need to be able to operate as a person. That so, is a great, great mentality because I ran into a guy that I arrested 10 years prior. He remembered me. I didn't remember him. Uh, a guy in the gym, I ran into him and he's like, you used to lock me up back in the day. He's like, you were a cop in this uh, community unit. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, really? I was like, well, was I good to you? <laughs> I'm like, was exactly. I cool? I was like, was I cool? Or was I a jerk? He's like, Oh no, no, you were cool. You were cool. So, uh, I, I already knew, I already knew the answer that he was going to give, but yeah. I, I always ask people like, well, well, was I good to you or was it justified? 
And they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. So uh, that guy, I asked him if he turned his life around and he said, yes, he basically lied straight to my face. And then I found oh. out that he got arrested by the DEA like a week after our conversation. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, too, because when you do this job for so long, you'll run into the same people over and over. And they're at different phases of their life, as are you. Yep. Um, but a lot of time, and I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's it's that false sense of, you know, they just want to always tell you that they're doing good. They got, you know, they're they're doing right. right. They turn around and even though, you, you know, you might already know, like, that's not the truth, but you want to be there and be supportive. Um, leads me to another another time I ran into uh, an inmate that I had previously supervised. Um, I've used force on him. I maced him. I mean, we we, we had our differences. Um, I was walking into the gas station at the start of my shift. I'm sorry, I was walking out. He was walking in. Um, I noticed him hold the door for me. And as I'm approaching him, I'm like, this guy looks familiar. Uh-huh. <laughs> as soon as we cross paths, he looks at me and he says, Mo. That's what everybody called me in there. They called me Mo. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, Mo, is that you? You became a cop? Like, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. And I knew him. You know, I called him by name. I said, how are you? And we stood there and we just chopped it up in the, uh, you know, the little entranceway of the gas station for for probably about 10 minutes. Um he, he lived up north. He had moved down south to where I was at, you know, but same thing. He was telling me that, you know, he was doing great. He turned his life around and, you know, he looked good. So I believe him. He looked good, um, you know, but what I like to do in those situations is I like to take the time to really talk to him, um, offer him advice, mentor him, things like that, kind of help him succeed and, and maybe see different perspectives because uh, it is it's a different perspective on the outside than it is on the inside, even at the way you just look at everyday life. But, you know, instead of trying to fight me or give me a hard time, I mean, you know, we we shook hands, we stood there and we talked. And, you know, I think that goes a long way is to just remember that people are people and don't let this job be your identity. I think the same thing goes to uh, the people that are just about to retire to the people that are transitioning. Um, yeah. I'm I'm big on coaching and mentoring. And I say everyone that has 20 plus years, that's the line of work that they need to be going into. And um, I just, I, I got to cut this a little short. We may do part two to get the update someday yeah. in the future um, for your next, you know, the, the next phase of your life. Um, but I want to thank you for all of the years of service that you've, you've, you've been in the military, you've been in corrections, you've been in uh, law enforcement for, you know, a over a decade now. And I just, I want to thank you for, from the bottom of my heart, I want to give you your roses publicly and say, thank you for all of the work that you do. You are appreciated at least by me and at least by my audience. So thank, thank, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you coming on. And if you have any final closing words, I got one minute. Well, brother, that's, that's my pleasure. Like I said, I, I enjoyed, you know, I wouldn't have done anything differently in my life up to this point. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of things and, and I agree. I think coaching and mentoring is huge. Um, if you feel like you have something to offer, you do. And if you can make a difference, I believe you must make a difference. Um, so whether That's you believe the quote. It, That's the quote right there. Yeah. If, if you, if, if you think otherwise, then, then you're kidding yourself. I believe that everybody's a mentor. Somebody is always looking at you for guidance. Um, somebody's always looking at you to see how things are supposed to be done or how they're not supposed to be done. We want to make sure that we're setting that positive example. Um, 
I'm actually, uh, I know, I know we're going to cut it short, but a lot of the things that have led me to where I'm at in life, decisions that I've made, um, overcame certain obstacles and things like that, uh, will be talked about in a book I'm writing right now. Um, and it'll be out by the end of the year. Uh, so I look forward to an adventure. Uh, it's a journey, you know, it's a different road I'm, I'm on, but when yeah, that look, book is out, when that book is out, we're going to promote it together. All right. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate that. I look forward to it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right, sir. Yep. Have a good day now. Be safe. You too. I'll shoot your text. Having me on.